I guess we should do this thing, huh? Fuck yeah, let's do this. All right. Fuckers. Hey guys, welcome <laughs> to another episode of Tip to Tip with Lou and Chris. I'm Lou and this is Chris. That's Chris. You heard Chris right at the beginning there too, using profanity. <laughs> no less. So uh, we're back. We're, we're doing this again. And this time we're going to be talking about the time I worked at Walden Books. That's not a very flashy job, is it? No, it's not. Especially following my stint as a movie star. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into the uh, occupational breakdown. Break it down! I like that. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, you know, it's funny. No, that's not even funny. I'm not even going to bother. Let's just keep going with the breakdown. Are you sure? Yeah. Right, so, break, it, uh, break it down. Go ahead. Break it down. I'm going to break it down. We're going to pretend all that that just happened didn't happen, but I'm going to leave it all in there. <laughs> this is going to be like a little behind the scenes moment. The audience can hear how fucking stupid I am when I'm not editing. <laughs> so Walden Books. As a, as I described two episodes ago, I worked at Day by Day Calendar Company. And then when the calendar company closed because it was a seasonal position, I migrated over to Walden Books. Because I guess Day by Day is owned by Walden Books or they're somehow related. I didn't know that when I got hired. I didn't realize I was getting hired by the parent company of Walden Books or whatever. But when it was uh, around the time that the calendar kiosk was going to be done running, I, I, it was in the vicinity of like middle of November, I think, of 95. So I'd been working at the kiosk selling calendars for about, I don't know, six weeks or something like that. And then I got hired essentially straight over to Walden Books. And instead of just being a regular employee, the manager there actually, well, the assistant manager brought me on as a third key holder. So it was my first job as a member of the management staff. And uh, I had a moving key. Moving up in the world. Huh? Yeah, moving up. <laughs> I got myself $9 an hour at that job. Holy shit. So, yeah, it was a nice little bump. Um, what was I making at... at the kiosk do we do we remember do we talk about that 550 was it 550 somewhere right around there yeah that sounds right if you want to if you want to go back and listen audience feel free i can't remember what it was but it was something like that so i think i may i i earned like an additional three bucks in that vicinity three or four bucks um which i was pretty excited about i'm gonna be honest with you i was pretty stoked and the job was pretty straightforward get to the store i i tended to close so I'd get there while the store was open. I'd take over from the opening manager. I'd Sometimes I had an employee. Sometimes I was alone in the store. Sometimes I had an employee until like nine and then I was alone for like the last hour. And then I close, count the registers down, make the deposit, and then close the store, bounce out of there. And so that's what I was doing. Um, yeah, I mean, we've talked a little bit about it. I like books. I'm not... A crazy reader i actually read more now probably than i ever have before um do you do you read you we've talked a little bit about it. you read right occasionally I, I do but in 
the recent year and a half, two years, I've just not at all. Yeah. Were yeah. you always a reader? Um, no. I mean, when you say reader, like maybe a book a year, maybe a book every other year, depending on how I feel. Yeah. Did you? When do you remember reading for pleasure for the first time? Where for it wasn't f- like a, an assignment or something. And not like some fucking little kid Dr. Seuss type shit, but like an actual narrative. Wow. I, I have no fucking idea. So I guess I'm not really that much a reader. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe it's just not that it wasn't that momentous a moment for you. Yeah. Mine's kind of interesting. Um, I didn't really read at all during high school. I read like I remember reading The Hobbit um, for class. I remember thinking that Bilbo Baggins was a hilarious name because it rhymed with dildo, which yeah. shows you my my mindset at the time. Let's be honest, it's still funny. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah. Um did we end of the did we end the occupational breakdown? No no, you I mean, finished it. No, you, I finished you left it, it at nine dollars. Yeah, I think I just kept on going. I think I worked there Manager. six weeks and just kept going. Fuck. Yeah, I, we. I really have to get better at this whole hosting thing, don't I? <laughs> I think you're. I mean, I think it's just, funny. Let's just let the wind take us where it's gonna take us, brother. I kind of like that. I gotta be honest. Like, yeah. I don't. It doesn't need to have all these structures and cues unless we feel like doing them. You know well, what? Let's let's Fuck finish that. it. You want to finish yeah. it? The occupational breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. You want to sing me out, or you want me to give you one? Let me have it. Occupational breakdown. <laughs> did I hit? Did I hit every note? I tried to hit every note. You hit. You hit every note, and it was just a little sharp. You know what's amazing? Like I'm not. I'm clearly not trying to sing well because it's funnier to me to sing badly. Uh-huh. But I think that if I tried to sing well without any kind of accompaniment, like no background music to sing to, I think it would probably sound really close to that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, back to the reading thing. I I didn't really like reading as a in high school as a kid. I wasn't like anti-reading, but I just didn't do it for fun. And then at a certain point, and we'll talk about this on another episode, because even though it's not a job, it sort of loosely qualifies. So it'll be like a special edition of the podcast. But I found myself doing some uh, some work in a library. And I, in order to kill time, I used to go and pretend to take shits and read. And it was mainly Stephen King. It was actually Stephen King's pseudonym, Richard Bachman, which is... He released uh, The Running Man and a bunch of other stuff under that. And I started reading those books first. So I don't remember. I think I saw one of them, just like the cover looked interesting. And I was like, oh, what's this? And I read it and I was like, oh, that's cool. I'll read more. And then I just kept reading. And I've gone through kind of spurts in my life where I would read a lot. And then I didn't read anything for like a year. And then I would read a lot. And, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I do like reading. I do like books. Um, the idea of working in a bookstore was kind of cool. It was also kind of cool because you could check books out of there. So, for instance, I don't know. You know Robert Rodriguez, right? The director. Uh, he did El Mariachi back in the day and Desperado. And he yeah. recently directed Alita Battle Angel. But um, he did a he has a book. It's like his autobiography, I guess. But it's sort of like him block like his his diary entries from when he was making his first movie, like getting it made and then making it and selling it that's cool yeah it was super interesting and I remember checking that book out and basically you could check a book out as long as you returned it in new condition 
So it was like if I took it home and like accidentally spilled coffee on it, I'd have to buy it. But yeah, I remember reading that one and I read a bunch of stuff like that. But yeah, it was kind of cool. It was an easy job. It was like in the corner of the mall. It wasn't a super busy store. Um, you know, we had like times where there was, you know, 20 people wandering around looking at books, but most of the time it was like one or two people browsing. Um, but yeah, th- this, this job was actually my first real experience interacting with celebrities. So like I, I talked about before, like seeing celebrities walk through the mall at the calendar store, but nobody big. Like I think the biggest was probably Cuba Gooding Jr. back in the day. Um, but I remember, I don't know, it was probably right when I started working there because I was still sort of figuring it out. And this guy comes up and asks me if I, you know, where our computer books are. And I look up and it's fucking Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And this was 95. So it was like a year after Pulp Fiction. And just, you know, really quick for the people that have never heard of Walden Books. Yeah. Because I remember them selling magazines. They sold, like, tchotchkes and stuff, too, right? Some. It was, like, it was like a mall bookstore. So they had, like, greeting cards and, like, fun little doodads and, and stuff like that. But it was, it was mainly, like, a bookstore. It was a okay. legit bookstore. Um, no movies or media, anything like that? No, no. Borders was more that. And I don't okay. know if Borders was around back then. I don't remember Borders being around back then or Barnes and Noble. I'm going to say no. But yeah, Walden Books was like the classic. There was like Crown Books and Walden Books were the two bookstores I remember during like my high school age. And I yeah, I mean it was it was a pretty basic bookstore. They're they're not around anymore. They actually ended up I think merging or buying Borders years later. Hmm. And I have a funny story about that, but we're going to talk about it in the future. It's not right for this episode. But uh but yeah, I remember I showed Samuel Jackson where the computer books were, and he was very, very nice and, and affable, and I was like, holy shit, that was fucking Jules from <laughs> Fiction, <laughs> and he looked older, too. I remember thinking, like, fuck, he looked, like, like, like older than he looked in Pulp Fiction, you know? Was he wearing he, a fucking Kango hat? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think he was, actually. I think he okay. was wearing a hat, but I don't remember it being the Kango hat. I feel like that came after like that whole image shift came after that period but yeah it was just samuel l jackson i was like holy fuck i remember just being like well that was that was an experience in my life now that i will remember (laughs) that's cool dude yeah it was kind of cool uh he's probably the biggest celebrity i dealt with up to that point certainly um i also remember so this one's gonna be a little weird it's not really that good a celebrity story but did you ever watch mr belvedere back in the day yeah remember it yeah so the older brother of, so Wesley was like the the youngest kid in the in the house, and then the older brother, whose name I don't remember, uh, was played by this actor named Rob Rob Stone. Well, I guess he's still named Rob Stone, but <laughs> he's not named. He wasn't named. He is Rob Stone. Uh, there was also rumors going around back in the day that he, him and Marilyn Manson were the same person. Like Marilyn Manson without makeup was this guy who was the older brother on Mr. Belvedere. Not true. Different guys, but. Rob Stone came in, and I remember being like, "Hey, Marilyn that's the older Manson, br- huh? <laughs> Marilyn Manson? Yeah, Marilyn Manson. No, I remember. I remember thinking like, that's the older brother from Mr. Belvedere, and he walks straight up to me. He's like, do you have, uh, do you have Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders calendars?' <laughs> and I was like, "Maybe. <laughs> Let's walk over there and look." <laughs> it was just such a specific, weird request, and it doesn't matter who asks you that question either. No, but it in this case was Rob Stone. Yeah. <laughs> So I think I'm not sure I would remember this if it hadn't been Rob Stone. 
<laughs> but here we are 20 years later and I remember it. Uh, the one that really got me though. So I worked with this guy there, uh, super, super nice dude, this guy, Brian, and we got along really well. He, he's a little older than me. He's probably like five years older than me ish, maybe even a little more than that, but he's older than me. He was interesting. I remember we hung out like outside of work once or twice. I remember going to his, he lived in this sort of, uh, like uh, bungalow kind of apartment down on uh, Lancashire, I think, but it was like in, you know, in the nicer part of the valley, like towards going towards the hills. And he had this projector set up in his apartment and he had old cartoons. Like he collected kind of vintage shit on, you know, and I remember we were watching like an old school, like Disney video or not video, but film. And it was all super racist with the fucking like, like black people with the big lips black on the face. porches, like and eating watermelon and singing and shit. And I was like, I remember thinking like, okay, this is interesting and weird and kind of gross and kind of funny. And I'm like, I hope he's got this for the right reason. You know? <laughs> yeah, for like, sure. I didn't get any, I didn't get the vibe at all from him that he, he had. And since this moment, I, I've known him better and he definitely, that's not the vibe. It was, like a collector kind of weird like look at this fucking weird oddity that nobody wants you to see but uh yeah he was an interesting dude anyway he uh i was working with him and he was i think he was just the regular employee so i was the key holder he was the employee and he had grown up in that area he lived in the valley he he told me you know he used to joke that he used to buy cocaine kind of near where my apartment was <laughs> you was know, that, that a joke well he'd joke about it in the way of like like you live in a shitty area brother <laughs> No, but no, he did definitely buy cocaine okay. near where my apartment was <laughs> back when he was in high school. But uh, this, so this guy walk. We're just chit chatting behind the counter, and this guy walks in, and I look, and it's a, it's a like a blonde dude. He's got a cute, a cute girl with him. They walk in, and I'm looking at the guy. I'm like, that guy looks kind of familiar. And then as it's occurring to me, I'm like, holy shit, that's fucking, that's Johnny from the Karate Kid. You know, the fucking blonde dude from Karate Kid. And sweep as the I'm, leg. Yeah, sweep the leg. And as I'm thinking this in my head, I'm thinking like, sweep the leg, Johnny. As I'm thinking that, he starts walking towards us and he's got this look in his face, like familiarity. And then all of a sudden, the guy I'm working with is like, Billy. And I like turn and look and like, wait, what? And they're fucking, they know each other. <laughs> they're like, they're like buddies from back in the day. Was he was wearing like, a gi? <laughs> He definitely was not wearing a Cobra Kai gi. He was, I don't remember what he was wearing, but he was dressed like a normal dude. Like the fucking coach, like, holding his collar. Uh-huh, walks up exactly. That's, instead of walking in with a girl, he walked in with fucking the, the coach. What's that guy's name? John Reese or whatever his name is. Crease. That's his name, right? Crease. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's fucking... I think his name's Billy Zabka. William Zabka, I think, is the actor's name. But yeah, he, like, knew the guy I was working with. Like, they were, like, friends. And I was like, after he, after he left, I was like, so, you know, you know, Johnny, huh? <laughs> and he, he's laughing. He's like, yeah, I fucking know him. He's a good dude. But, uh, yeah, I was like, in my brain, I'm like, I, I am now one step removed from Johnny. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was, yeah, it was a cool moment. So, yeah, this is the kind of thing that happens in L.A., especially if you do watch a lot of movie and TVs, you know, movie and TVs, movie <laughs> and TV. Uh, yeah you will you will inevitably have interactions like this in la i'd been in la maybe three months at this point or two and a half months something like that and already i was just like fuck this is like a pretty this is more regular than i would imagine you know 
Um, it doesn't even compare to some of my future stories that we'll get into in other episodes. But yeah, this is just the beginning. Uh, something else I remember very well is on New Year's Day. I was working alone because it's slow in the mall on New Year's Day. Everybody's fucking hungover and home sleeping in. So I'm alone in the store and I don't know, nothing notable happened that day. And then I got called like on my day off a day or two later by the manager. The manager of the store is this woman named Jervis who I did not get along with. I got a really bad, bad vibe from her from the beginning. The assistant manager, Juan, I got along with really well. He was a really nice dude. The manager, who I didn't interact with that much, just something about her. She didn't like me. I could feel it. She just, from day one, was she would, like, scowl at me. You know what I mean? I don't know what it was, but she didn't seem to like me. Which was fine. I didn't work with her that much, and it didn't really matter one way or the other. But she called me, and I was like, oh, what's up? What's going on? You know, wondering why she's calling me on my day off. Apparently, I had had a secret shopper come in to the Walden books on New Year's Day and he described me sitting on the counter reading pornography (laughs) 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 which let's be honest does sound it does sound like me it sounds like my friend Lou (laughs) that's not unreasonable um so she wanted to know what happened like what's going on like we don't even sell pornography (laughs) you know did you bring (laughs) pornography from home to read on while sitting on the counter and i was like no i i definitely was sitting on the counter and i was reading we had this kind of special edition anna nicole smith playboy issue like a holiday issue or something Uh and so i was just kind of flipping through that casually i wasn't reading the articles i was definitely looking at anna nicole smith's boobs but yeah so i technically was definitely sitting on the counter and i was definitely reading pornography (laughs) so nothing about it was wrong she uh she definitely gave me a warning and i apologized and said i will not do that anymore (laughs) well we sell it in the store we definitely did sell it in the store and yeah so that that was the that was the beginning of the end, I think. But I don't. that's not really what happened beyond. What happened beyond was not long after that, something... So I wasn't really told what was happening, but I sort of sussed it out through hints that deposits had gone missing, right? So they had LP come in. We didn't have a loss prevention agent in the store. It was a very small store, but somebody from corporate came in to like interview all the people that had access to the deposits, which would be the three key holders. And so I had my interview with the LP guy and I'd never been in this situation before. I was like pretty freaked out by it. Unlike how I am now, which is very kind of whatever, like I don't take anything that seriously. And I also am smarter now. <laughs> I thought I was smarter then, but I was not, it turns out. So the guy's like talking to me and doing the thing. He, you know, he's playing mental games with me. He's trying to get me to admit that I stole deposits, which I definitely did not. But he was trying to get me to admit it. And I was like, I am definitely didn't do that. And he's like, well, what have you done that you're not, that you feel like might be over the line or might be questionable? And I was like, well, I, you know, we used to, if you ever worked at a bookstore, especially back in the day, they would have, they would sometimes tell you to destroy books. Like these books are being taken off the shelf for whatever reason, and you need to destroy them. But destroying them just meant ripping the covers off and sending the covers back to the publisher or whatever for credit. 
and then we would throw the book itself away. And so, That's stupid. I, yeah, it's it's stupid. But I, you know, there's I'm sure there's legal copyright type reasons for it. But I, I occasionally would take those books because I'm like, I don't want to fucking throw it away, or I could just take it home and read it. You know, like right. so. I told him like, yeah, I, I have taken those books before where I, we, you know, we ripped the cover off and instead of throwing it away, I took it home. I don't know why I told him that. I think I thought if I gave him something, he'd stop like accusing me. I thought you were going to tell him that you read pornography while sitting on the counter. No, no, I don't think he would care about that. Honestly, he that's, was looking for something juicier. That's but, uh, if this, yeah. I'm just going to stop you because this doesn't sound like something that you would do. What's saying that i took the yeah book. yeah well you've known me as a as a grown-up person <laughs> you've known me as like a full-fledged adult i'd never really been i'd have very few instances with cops you know I, i'd have very few instances of like dealing with legal issues a couple of times but yeah i was uncomfortable i was thrown by it it was a surprise i had no warning i was just in this moment and i don't know why i thought it would like I think I thought, oh, if I admit to something like this and act like it's something I feel bad about, he'll realize what a fucking pussy I am, you know? Mm. Like, what's like what a small fry I am, and, and that, be like, oh. That makes sense. I think that's what I was thinking. Whether or not it's logical, you know, I'm 19, I'm mostly cum, and I'm not thinking <laughs> super straight. So... Young I, I told him that and then he's like okay all right well you know we're gonna we're gonna talk about it, decide what's gonna happen but go ahead and clock out and go home for the day and we'll let you know what's going on I was like all right clocked out left a couple days later my manager calls me the one that hates me the African one that's not African right and uh Jervis Jervis yeah her name was definitely Jervis which I found very strange Jervis said to me that I was being let go that uh she was she was very sorry she was really nice she seemed very genuinely apologetic you're not being sarcastic no and all okay. i could think was she fucking did it and she knows i'm getting fired for it she fucking now, did it that's what i thought because i'm like okay she's been really mean to me up until this point like just super maybe that's why i'm sort of describing her like not in a very flattering way because she was really unpleasant to me <laughs> the whole time i was like fuck this chick uh, but yeah, it was the only time she was nice to me was when she called me to fire me. And obviously, if they really thought I did it or they had any kind of evidence that I did it, they would have taken me to court and it would have been a whole thing. They just she, fired She me. would have roasted you. I would expect nothing less. Yeah. But she was like, I'm so sorry. I know you didn't do it, but they, you know, they just, they need this. Somebody needs to blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right. In my, in my head, I'm like, whatever. Like I, I was kind of over that job anyway, so I was like, eh, it's not a glorious ending, but it'll have to do. <laughs> but yeah, she was super nice to me, and all I could think the whole time she's talking to me, I'm like, she fucking did it. She did it, and I'm getting I'm getting canned for it. She's the one firing me for it, and she knows it, and she's feeling a little guilty about it. But it is what it is. I did take those paperbacks. Uh, I don't even remember which ones I, I did, but it's probably like The Fucking Client by John Grisham. <laughs> that that kind of shit. Yeah. It's my second John Grisham callback, huh? You like John Grisham? You ever read any? Firm? I don't action? read, bro. Yeah, we've kind of established that. Huh? <laughs> Do you ever see the firm? No. You've never seen the fucking firm? No. Dude. With Tom? Yeah. I saw that shit opening weekend, and the theater was packed, and we had to sit at the very front row at the corner seat. I was on a date. <laughs> <laughs> 
in high school. Was it Tom? Good? That was like Tom, prime Tom, prime running. He's fucking, that's when the running really, like, oh, this guy's got to run. This guy's got like a movie star run. <laughs> yeah. I, I love Tom Cruise. Well, you should see The Firm because it's fucking good. I'm pretty sure I have it, so maybe we'll watch it when you're here. It's I was also thinking about a, making, huh? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was thinking about making you watch the, the before sunrise, before sunset, before midnight movies, too. I'd you love that. Seen those. Yeah. And I don't think you're ever going to watch them if I don't make you. <laughs> but they're pretty romantic, so I don't know. If I want to watch them with you and your wife and my wife, things might, you know, get a little crazy. <laughs> might, might get a little steamy in our living room. <laughs> no EC in there. Listen, I'm not saying I I have rubbers, but I can get some. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you going to get those? How do you feel about rubbers? I mean, not using them, but just in general. Um, (laughs) What's the biggest pack of rubbers you've bought? Not like the biggest, like, like XL, but biggest, like how many quantity? Um, probably like a 20 pack. You bought a 20-pack of condoms. How many of those condoms did you use, do you think? 13. (laughs) (laughs) I love how specific that is. That's a perfect answer. I, Me and Dan used to joke that the buying anything bigger than a 12-pack was a curse, that your your relationship would end immediately and you'd be stuck with all fucking 24 condoms or whatever. So I've never bought bigger than a 12-pack. But I also haven't used a condom in since before I had gray hair. A lo- it's been a long time since it's I used a condom. It's been a few years. When's the last time you used a condom, Chris? You have to tell me the circumstances, just how long ago? Probably like five years ago. Five years? Yeah. What's your brand? Durex. Durex. Durex is good. It wasn't yeah. around when I was younger, when when I was like in my prime rubber usage. <laughs> but Yeah. Do you remember the first condom you ever put on your dick to do a sexual act with a female? I say that because I put a condom on my dick to try it out once before I did anything sexual with a female just because I want to make sure I had the skills. I feel like I did that too. Yeah. Um, it felt weird to have it on. Yeah, I, I jerked off with one on once just to kind of see what would happen. <laughs> Which, I mean, you know, you could do the math, I think. But <laughs> I wanted to physically see what was going to happen. What did you give that experience on the PP scale? The condom? Jerking off yeah. the condom? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely worse than jerking off without a condom. <laughs> <laughs> it was not memorable other than knowing I did it. I definitely did it. You know what the first condom I used with a girl was? What? It was a brand called Chic, which I don't think they're around anymore, but that is C-H-I-C? vintage. No, like S-H, like a, like a fucking dude from Saudi Arabia. Oh, okay. Yeah, chic. Gotcha. Um, that was my first. And then, of course, many, many a Trojan back in the day. Yeah. Trojans. Um, and then Trojan I think I rocked man. a Durex or two in the later years before yeah. I stopped using them all together. They're thinner. I started just, go, just running trains bareback. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> just so everyone knows i did steal paperbacks that i ripped the covers off of and i did not run bareback trains oh man all right so this job what would you give it on the real uh, you know what scale? before we get there okay I, because it's not going to really come up in the next episode i mean i guess it could but i don't want it to i think it's appropriate right here um this this job 
ending kind of coincided with everything blowing up between the our living situation. So as I mentioned before, me and my girlfriend were living with her cousin and his fiance, and we had a two bedroom apartment, definitely more than we could afford on our own. And at some point in the towards the end of December, around Christmas time, uh, her cousin and his fiance went back to I think they went to Arizona or something like that to visit an uncle. It was like one of those. They took a, like a short trip. So they left. And while they were gone, they called her or somehow told her, my girlfriend, that they were going to move back to Chicago. That essentially they were going to come back to California, pack up their shit. They'd already talked to the uh, landlord of the building, the manager of the building we lived in. They were going to break the lease because he had so i never mentioned before he had cystic fibrosis so yeah. he had some pretty significant health issues he had like a breathing machine he had to use every night and it was like a whole struggle oh wow um so he i think it was partially he was dealing with some medical stuff and partially the whole acting thing was just not as easy as he was hoping it would be just to get the foot in the door kind of and he decided it just wasn't the right move for him for whatever reason. And so they decided to move back to the Chicago area. And so they they told us, but it was like, hey, you can still stay in the apartment and the landlord, you can move to a smaller, like a one bedroom and continue, finish out the lease. So it was sort of like, instead of us getting stuck with a broke lease and having like, they'd affect our credit or whatever, you can you can continue the lease on in this other way and it'll keep our credit from getting trashed and we were like fuck that (laughs) like first of all we can't afford even the one bedroom apartment on our own at this in this building it was more than we could afford secondly we didn't have a car and it, it wasn't like easy to get around that area without a car like grocery shopping and stuff there wasn't uber and shit like that so we'd be taking buses and it just we weren't near anything that was super convenient you know so you know we we went into panic mode pretty severely and we started looking at apartments uh in the in we wanted to move to like west hollywood we want to move over the hill be closer to like you know the action so to speak get out of the valley get get around stuff kind of get in the center of everything and see what what it was like to live there we looked at a couple places and we really just couldn't afford anything on our own it was just like we were in kind of a bad spot and so my mom at the time was living in Newport Beach, which is about 50 miles south of L.A. Um, it's like a like a beach community kind of it's really nice. Uh, it's like expensive. She lived right on the edge of Newport Beach where it met with this other city called Costa Mesa. And the complex she lived in, she'd been living there a long time. She was in really good with them. And she is, she basically was like, hey, I'll co-sign for you guys if you want to see if you can get an apartment here. You could probably get a one bedroom for like in the vicinity of seven fifty a month, which was still steep for us. But you know we could probably swing, you know, three seventy five a month each if we you know figure the job thing out quickly. So after some very short deliberation, we ended up renting a U-Haul truck and packing all our shit up and driving to Newport Beach and moving into our one bedroom apartment in Newport Beach, which Newport Beach is very un LA. It's California, like a motherfucker, but it's not L.A. at all. It's Orange County. It's a whole different vibe down there. It's actually where I grew up in Irvine until I was 12. 
So it was sort of weirdly a homecoming for me to a degree. Uh, but Newport Beach is like a fucking beach city. It's like nice and everybody's got surfboards on their car and it's just the air smells like salty and, and beautiful and it's just it's like kind of idealistic you know when you think of like oh I'm gonna move to California like moving to Newport Beach would be a pretty cool vibe so even though it was far from LA like we wouldn't be living in LA we wouldn't be near Hollywood or any of that shit um we were, we were basically thinking, okay, we'll move to Newport Beach, we'll get jobs, we'll work for a year, we'll see if we can get our situation figured out, and then we'll move back up to L.A. That was kind of our plan. And so that's how we ended up in Newport Beach, which will lead us into our next episode. But, yeah, that was the end of me living in the Valley, the end of Van Nuys, and the end of Wal- Walden Books. Um, on the PP scale, I would give Walden Books a solid a 5 except for when I was sitting on the counter reading pornography and it was definitely a seven <laughs> at that point. What did you think of Anna Nicole Smith? Do you remember her? Yeah, I do. Uh, I thought she was slamming. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, I remember when she, she was like a guest model, you know? She was yeah. like those guest ads. I remember being like, and I've never been a Pamela, or a, excuse me, um, a Marilyn Monroe fan. Yeah. I just don't get it. Like, it's not, it's nothing, I just, I look at her and I, I'm i not attracted to her for whatever reason. It's just not mm-hmm. my thing. Um, I've never really been into, like, blonde, big boob kind of thing. Not that that was Marilyn Monroe exactly, but that vibe is not my thing. And for some reason, Anna Nicole Smith was, like, the exception to the rule for me at, at, at that age. Now, looking back, like, I still think she's attractive, but not at all my type in any way, shape, or form as as this age i mean she's been dead a long time so it's sort of moot but i I mean she freaked me out with like the reality show oh she was a mess she it went went bad real quick and even (laughs) like when she got in better shape and stuff like yeah this is weird but let me i want to touch on something oh touch on it past it (laughs) real fast um because in previous episode you were talking about your relationship with Jacqueline's cousin and you Mm -hmm. know she thought you were kind of a scumbag or whatever yeah it was never outright said to me but the vibe changed when I when I when that whole thing happened with me talking to that other girl and then him like telling her mom that I was that he thought I might be cheating on her and then her having to basically tell her mom to stay out of her business kind of a thing and yeah he never like confronted me necessarily and he was never an asshole to me it was just like a vibe changed. He was really nice and friendly and we got along really well. And then it felt like th- it, tension suddenly was there, you know, and it never really went away. Okay. Did you have more to say about it or ask? No, I was just wondering if that had anything to do with, um, I don't think so. Yeah. I know what you're getting at. I don't think so. Um, I mean, my, my ability to read people, I think it's pretty good, but it's not infallible. So yeah. certainly it's possible. And I also know that while I felt like Jacqueline was being 100% honest with me at all times back then, I found out later that she was definitely taking liberties when necessary. Um, so it's possible that he told her that he didn't want to live with a piece of shit like me anymore. And then she was like, well, I'm not going to tell Lou that because that's just going to cause a problem for her. <laughs> like, you know, that could cause a real problem because Lou's kind of a hothead. So she instead she told me this other version. That's It's certainly possible, but that's not the impression that I was given or that I got. I, I got the impression that they just weren't feeling the vibe 
in California and wanted to like move back to where things were more comfortable and familiar. And the truth is he ended up getting a lung transplant not too long after, maybe a couple years, if that, after they got back to Chicago, like he got a full lung transplant. And then, I don't know, not maybe a couple of years after that, he passed away. Wow. So he's, he's no longer with us, but, uh, yeah, he was, I really genuinely liked him. He was fucking funny. When I met him, at first I was like, oh, he wants to be an actor. That's kind of a weird, like he's kind of an, an interesting looking dude. You know, he wasn't classically handsome or anything like that. <laughs> uh, I remember thinking like, oh, that's interesting. But then as I got to know him, he was like super charming and fucking funny and smart. And I got it. I was like, oh, this guy could fucking definitely do it. Like if he put his mind to it, there's something about him that I think I could see him finding a way. And so I remember being kind of disappointed that he was leaving like i was like oh man he's given up i thought i really genuinely thought he could make a go at it uh so it's it'd be funny if he was leaving because i was a shithead and he didn't want to be around me anymore and it, like he's had va- bad vibes about me and i'm over here being like oh it's a bummer he he, he was you know i loved him <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i don't i'm sure i complained i'm sure i had i'm sure i talked some shit at the time because like i said he was sort of telling tales out of school but i also looking back understand where he was coming from most people aren't going to see my relationship back then and think it's on the up and up, you know? I mean, to this day, it's still fucking kind of an issue. It's it's a weird thing, you know? It's People don't... The idea that I don't feel feelings of jealousy when it comes to my partner being interested sexually in another person, just they are not there in me. I don't have them. I did way back when but I don't now and I haven't for 20 fucking years and that includes my ex-girlfriend back then and that includes my wife now you know it it just I don't feel those feelings and so once you take that out of the equation then all bets are off all things are possible all situations are pliable you know so it's like it's hard for me to really identify with people you know, on that level, because I don't really, I don't have any friends who are how I am. Mm. I'm sure if I made my, made it a point to join a community of people that were all polyamorous and in open marriages. And I'm sure for every hundred people I met in that community, I'd probably really relate to about seven of them. And then the other 93 would be like pieces of shit who are just using as an excuse to like fuck as many people as they can. And you know, that kind of thing. Like there's bad apples in every bundle or what what do you put apples in a barrel a bindle <laughs> a basket a fucking basket a pie <laughs> whatever my, my tummy um yeah i don't i don't know it's it's hard because i i liked him but i knew he didn't i knew he thought i was probably a bad person and i was probably mistreating his cousin and there was really no way for me to assure him that wasn't what was happening because if your definition is you have sexual relationships with other people that's inherently just wrong i i can't argue with that i can't win that argument i can't convince you that it's i disagree you know right like it's just i don't know it's something between people just have a hard time with that so like back to your question i don't think that's why they left but it is it's a possibility and it's a bummer to think about that but it is what it is it happens it- it sounds like he was really fucking sick, though. 
He definitely, I mean, have you known anybody who had cystic fibrosis? No. I've known a couple people, and actually both of them are dead now. So, yeah, it's not a good, it's a bad disease. Um, yeah, I, I, he he didn't seem, like, unhealthy other than the breathing treatments. Yeah. He, like, hack up mucus and shit at night, and he wore, like, a mask when he slept and stuff. But, and then, yeah, I mean, he was, like, he had moments where he was tired or shit like that. But, yeah. I don't know. I he he did a lot with what he was given. You know what I mean? Like he fucking was living life, and I think also that's part of why he moved to California just to like do something, fucking bold. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I, hopefully he didn't regret it, but it is what it is. He was a good dude, and I was sorry when I found out he'd passed. But yeah, his memory lives on. So. <laughs> I love you. I love you too, man. I'm glad that we're we're both still here. Yeah. Um. Shit. Next episode, man. This next one's gonna be an interesting one. Where are we going? We're going to Hughes Family Markets. My second time working at a grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be in the produce department though this time around. Things but. getting a little bit more serious. I don't know that they get serious, but I'll tell you what. This is going to be an interesting episode for sure on the relationship side of things. This is where it's actually apropos. We were just talking about the whole open relationship and, and the, the trials and tribulations and technicalities because this next episode is going to test the limits, so to speak. We're going to we're gonna get real fucking deep into it. So hopefully you'll find it interesting and hopefully the audience will too. And hopefully I won't come off sounding like too much of a fucking douchebag. <laughs> like... Honestly speaking, I uh, yeah, I have to listen to all these episodes after we record them to edit them and stuff. And I would say probably about 50% of the time, I'm like, man, I'm such a douchebag. <laughs> but then the other 50% of the time, I'm like, I'm just who I am. And sometimes I'm going to seem like a douchebag. But I, I hope that I will very least seem honest. You know, I mean, my personality is what it is, but I try to be pretty transparent and tell you what it really is and not try to paint it a different way mm. which often is unflattering towards me people look at honesty and think they get a little intimidated by it maybe you I don't just, know but or you just don't understand it or you want to perceive it how you want to perceive it yeah yeah I don't know it is it does it makes me come off as kind of dominating because I'm saying things that are uncomfortable a lot of times for people and then you know it makes them look inward like uh, you know I have conversations with people where I say things that they probably think and then they grill me you know it's funny because I have conversations with people where it's a group and I say something crazy and then they sort of react a certain way and then I have those people come up to me later one-on-one I've had a lot of conversations with people one-on-one where they're like, hey, earlier we were talking about this thing and it really got me thinking, you know? And I, whether or not that's because I'm so fucking insightful or, I, you know, who fucking, I don't know. But it is definitely a lot of it has, has to do with honesty, you know? I had a guy once come up to me after we were talking about, like, my interest in trans pornography and that whole thing. And this is years and years ago. It was way before, like, the trans community had any kind of real presence in media or anything. 
and he came up to me he's a very very straight presenting dude with a with a girlfriend and you know not one of the guys not one of the part of our group and he came up to me like on the slide he's like hey i just want you to know like i'm i i watch that stuff too <laughs> and i was like what <laughs> he's like dude i love it he's like i don't know why i'm straight i don't i don't find men attractive but i i masturbate to trans pornography like pretty regularly <laughs> and i was like and in my head i'm like this guy needed to admit this to somebody you know he's been waiting probably years to admit this to somebody and it, you, i'm the guy you are I was that, like you're that guy yeah i'm like well as the ambassador of guys who jerk off to trans porn i welcome you to the club sir <laughs> <laughs> no judgments here i we appreciate your membership and hope you have a good time and i'm not going to tell nobody now I just told everybody, <laughs> but I didn't tell you his name or anything about him. So I'll tell you that shit off camera <laughs> slash microphone. Uh-huh. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Next episode, he's family markets. We're going to talk about groceries and fucking threesomes and fucking all kinds of silliness. It's going to be good. Fisting. There's actually not going to be any fisting. <laughs> fisting is an area we're not going to touch in the next episode. Uh, but yeah, maybe in a future episode, you never know. <laughs> Is that you getting fisted? Yeah. I would imagine it'd be a little louder than that. <laughs> a little more shrieky. A lot, yes. Mucho shrieky. Mucho shrieky. All right. On that Spanish note, um, thanks for joining us, guys. I hope you found it entertaining, and I hope you'll come back next time. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye.